Welcome to the Chabad Around the World podcast. My name is Mandy Bressinger, and I'll be your host, taking you on an adventure every single week. Together, we'll fly out to remote places around the world to meet up with the Chabad emissaries, hear about their stories, their daily activities, and the inspiration that keeps them going on a daily basis. Hi, Rabbi. Hi, everybody. Um, the, rabbi is, the rabbi is always right. It, it's a great place to come and visit. But not, not only in the winter, all year round, we enjoy a beautiful weather all year round. So um, someone told me when I first came, if you want to give an advice for somebody to be a millionaire, find a way to export the weather from Guatemala. <laughs> I didn't find anyone that succeeded yet. All right, so you're opening it up to all of us. You're giving away the secrets. Wow, that sounds exciting. And we got a, a personal invitation from the rabbi of Guatemala. Thank you so much for that. Let's start off, Rabbi Shalom, if we can. It's getting to know you a little bit before we jump into the Jewish life and community that you built up in Guatemala. But tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, your upbringings. Um, I was born in Israel, grew up in Israel, um, studied in Israel, and towards uh, the end of uh, my years in Yeshiva, I went to study at the, by the Rebbe a couple of years, and where that's where I met uh, my wife. And a year later, uh, after Koilel, after study a year, after we, after um, uh, we got married, we uh, found ourselves on the plane, heading wow. down. Wow! So you're Israeli born? You, did you grow up in a uh, Hasidic town in Israel? Were, are you from a Hasidic upbringing? I was born in Chabad, um, and then my parents uh, moved free elsewhere. And uh, yeah, I always um, grew up Lubavitch, uh, and it was like uh, something so obvious. So, uh, when I can, I want to join and be the Rebbe Shliach, and here we are. Amazing. So you grew up in a home, in a vill- in a Chabad village, uh, really in Israel, Kfar Chabad, for those that are familiar with the, uh, with the, the Holy Land, and, but you weren't, uh, you, you growing up in, in a place which is always encouraging to reach out, to move out, and to bring, uh, to bring God's message to those out there. So you uh, find yourself very quickly uh, with your wife now that you met in New York, and you decide you're going on Shlichus, your lifelong dream is coming true. How did Guatemala get onto your map? Um, when we look into where we can go, uh, we asked, uh, you know, where where is a shliach uh, needed? We all, we wanted to go to a place that there's no shliach yet. Uh, it's good to enhance and to help free something existing, but it's challenging to start from scratch. And one of the places that we were told that. There's no shliach, there is a Yidin that lives there, and there's a need, it was Guatemala. We 
came down to check it out and we found a beautiful um, Jewish families that live here and and really Shlichus will Chabad Shliach will can enhance their life tremendously. So we a month later we found ourselves here again, now with our baby. And that's it. We 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 here. But the truth is we have um we here for a short time. We here just until Moshiach is coming and that's why we're working hard to bring him so we all can go to Israel. Amazing. So you're not getting used to Guatemala. You you're you always have your eyes on the Holy Land and you're waiting to come back. Incredible. Tell us how long are you there now? For how many years have you how many years ago did that happen? It's like Rabbi Shalom got a little frozen. I guess he could freeze in Guatemala too. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now I, I didn't hear what you said. How long are you there now? For how many years? We came February 2000. We conclude 22 years and something. Incredible. Beautiful. 22 years. You came with a one-way ticket. But your, your heart is always in Israel and you're waiting for Mashiach and that's what you're working towards. How beautiful. What a beautiful life mission. Tell us, you, you mentioned about the, uh, the community that you came to and that there was already uh, uh, Jewish families there and that you were, as a Chabad rabbi, ready to enhance their Judaism. What was the community like when you came? What is the history of Guatemalan Jewry? That's, if that's the right way of saying it. Yes. Um, so it's, it's very interesting because um, Jewish life started here uh, about... Uh, so, sorry, Rabbi, Rabbi Shalom, if I can interrupt. So um, I apologize, but I see that you're outside. Can you flip the camera just for a moment? We always love to see the what it looks like in, uh, in Guatemala. <laughs> Before we continue just, with your answer. I just came to, um, to the Chabad house. I was in the car. Oh, the, if so, you can give us a little tour or, or, or just to show, show us the, the, uh, the outside or the inside, that would be, that would be fa fantastic if that's possible. Perfect. Give me one second. Wow, beautiful. Starting um, COVID, Guatemala was locked down for about six months. And uh, right before Shoshana, we were released, the, the, the lockdown was released and certain conditions were placed about a uh, gathering. One of them was uh, requiring um, large space for gathering. So we got that as the shul. Beautiful, beautiful, wow, and outdoors. See, there's a playground. That's basically. Beautiful. And this is the inside of, is this some kind of uh, uh, campus that you have? Is this a, uh, a walled-in courtyard or? Yes. Here, what, what happened is here, um, one of the, the, the special conditions in Guatemala is that 
due to the fact that it's a third world country, so everything is gated, everything is, um, uh, there is a guard 24 hours, uh, uh, in every store there is an armed guard. It's experiences that you don't find common in developed countries, but, but uh, so, so the Chabad complex is, uh, you know, everything inside and once you pass the guard, you're welcome to a beautiful place uh, for Judaism. Amazing. It looked beautiful. And, and I saw there was place for davening and right next to our place for the kids to swing and to slide. What, a, what an incredible experience for the whole Jewish family. And I'd love to, we'd love to hear more about that and the programs that go on on a daily basis. But let's go back now, if we can, to what you started off talking about the Jewish community that you met uh, when you came to Guatemala at the beginning and the history of the, of the Jewish community there. Okay, so um, basically, um, Jewish, Jewish people came here in, in 1800. That's what I know. It, there's some signs before like the Inquisition, but um, not, not as clear or not as uh, obvious. There's some signs that you can uh, learn from that, that there were some people that, but what we can trace as a Jewish uh, presence is in the 1800, people came from Europe, mainly from Germany. Uh, Guatemala was a great source for uh, bananas, coconut, coffee, uh, all those things that in Europe, they, they, their value was very much. Um, unfortunately, from this jury, uh, there was only Jewish last name remained because they were very assimilated. There was no, um, they, they couldn't keep up and, and gather like a community and keep it up. Um, in the early, early 1900s, we find uh, two, um, two journeys, one from the Middle East, Turkey and the Middle East, and another one from Germany and Europe. Some uh, visionaries that saw how Europe is getting complicated and came down. Uh, and a bit after the Holocaust of people that either they came to the United States but uh, couldn't come in. So they went to Cuba or went to nearby countries. Some came over here and somehow settled down. And uh, there's uh, one of the families that came probably early 1800, early 1900, sorry, um, was a shoemaker. And he saw that uh, nobody was wearing shoes, the natives uh, were going barefoot. And as the famous story, he was uh, actually saw it as a, as a potential. And he opened up a shoe store. And he succeeded very much and part of Lee's legacy, he left uh, the Jewish community a big piece of land uh, that um, 
called after, after him, his name was uh, Benjamin, mm-hmm. the synagogue was called after him, and, and he, uh, he basically uh, saved a place, a permanent place, for the Jewish community that before it didn't, didn't have it. Um, but there were two, there were two juries, and as you know, um, we are one, one people, one nation, but um, with beautiful colors, different colors. So uh, there were Sephardic, there were Ashkenazi. They didn't have in, um, they, they, they built two different um, synagogues. The truth is the Sephardic synagogue was built about a hundred years ago. That was the, the first synagogue to build, the first, the first community to, to um, to establish as a community. Uh, at this time, the, the Jews was pe- were present. They were going from house to house to sell mirrors, to sell uh, combs, to sell uh, little things uh, from house to house. And as they got more established, they donated whatever they had to put up a synagogue. And it's a beautiful synagogue until today. Uh, with two major lions, a statue of lions uh, in the in the front, uh, a beautiful synagogue. Uh, that until today is active every Shabbos. There is a minion there, and for for already a century, um, Jewish uh, this community is uh, active and in, in in very very prominent. The Ashkenazi synagogue. Um, was established much, much later. And their begin in the beginning years, they actually went to to Daven to, to pray in the back room of the Sephardic synagogue. And that in a certain way shows the, the story of this community. It's it's a very small community but very connected. So, um, you know, Sephardim, Ashkenazim, they, they all share together and they continue sharing. So it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful uh, community to work with. People that really appreciate uh, Judaism, that uh, practice as much as they know and can, and that's where Chabad uh, came to, to make a change because Judaism was already. But uh, when I came, uh, um, someone from the media interviewed me, what did I come to do? And I said, I did, I came to do the same thing that makeup does for a woman. <laughs> Enhance her own beauty. And that's what I feel I do here. It's a beautiful Jewish community. And what we do is we enhance their beauty in a way that it shines and and gets his potential to the max. What a beautiful way to put it. And uh, really true uh, globally. Uh, But it makes uh, a trip down to Guatemala so much more enticing. And not only the beautiful weather, but also just the, the, it sounds like a very unified community. 
And uh, with such leadership, I'm sure it's, uh, it's only better and better. So you come in in 2000 and you, you come to such a, a, a beautiful uh, community that's already there. What was your first uh, step in enhancing its, uh, its, its beauty, its, uh, its inherent beauty? What was your first steps in, in creating the Chabad presence um, that you started with, the first building blocks? The truth is the first thing we, we came here, uh, I was, uh, was the first, um, we came, we stayed at a hotel because there was no house yet, nothing. And took us about a month to, to get, to find the, the proper house, which was, uh, it was ironic, but it was the former Egyptian embassy. <laughs> but it was a big house and it was uh, close to the shul so we can walk on Shabbat and people can walk back and join us for the meals. And the first meal that we did, were able to do in our, our house was on Purim. We moved out of Purim and Purim was our first uh, meal. And we, we invited, say, you know, mm -hmm. some people that we, we knew, we got to know slowly in this month. And we had a, a, ta a table already and uh, 12 chairs. And we invited about 10 people and somehow like, um, uh, I don't know how to say, like um, people started coming and coming and coming, people that I didn't know, but they knew about me or about us and started coming and people, it was beautiful. People went to their houses and came back with more chairs and more <laughs> chairs and more chairs. Um, at the end of the evening, we were um, about 50 people, and that's, uh, that's how we started. We started uh, with Mishloach uh, Manot, there was something that, um, unfortunately, they, they did not know that in Purim, you give uh, food presents. Um, their custom, their, um, their, what they were familiar was that before Rosh Hashanah, you give a present. You, you, you send something, you send a cake, you send, a, you send something sweet. Um, it was uh, interesting and new. Uh, people called us, why, why, why did you send us? Uh, what, happened? what is it for? And it was a, a beautiful way to explain about Purim. Um, same thing was for Pesach, but uh, then people obviously knew about matzah and appreciated very much. And we started with classes, with the uh, kids, with the uh, programs. Uh, the first we came, we came, uh, you know, a month before Purim for Pesach, for Passover. Um, someone told me that in a city nearby, uh, Israelis are coming to tour and there's Israelis that want to do a Seder. So I said, well, come, sure, we'll, uh, we'll include you. Somehow they organized themselves and they came two buses full of um, travelers, Jewish travelers. And remember, we, we just came, um, you know, um, about two months ago, uh, 
we called the friend that uh, his relative had a restaurant and he sent his workers to come to us. He sent uh, tables and chairs and we had a seder for, we had a seder for about uh, 150 people. Wow, just two months in. So you went from, from uh, inviting 10 guests the 50 guests that night, and then just a month later, 150 guests. And you know, it, it just by the it came kind of uh, on on the side, but really something I want to focus on for a moment. We always love to hear about the ripple effect of mitzvahs, how one single mitzvah brings to another, and that's something that we love focusing on here as the mitzvah society. And I think that story of the mishloach manot, just that simple, uh, beautiful uh, custom. Uh, one of the mitzvahs of Purim, of sending food gifts to one another, is really what kicked off your shlichot, your Chabad activities there in Guatemala, and it's probably the ripple effect that you're still feeling today. Of everything that you do, all started off with that one single uh, mitzvah. And what an inspiration for us all in all our in, in little mitzvahs that we like, you know, this little small mitzvahs, but you never know the ripple effect of what could come from that. What a beautiful story. So, Moving along now, you, you're opening up shop and, and people are hearing about you and you're gaining, uh, you're gaining uh, uh, people, are not only the, the locals, but also the uh, backpackers, Israeli backpackers are, know that you're in town. How did this evolve into the beautiful uh, uh, structure, the, the uh, you used the word before, uh, the beautiful building that you have today, how did that come to be? Um. The truth is, it was uh, uh, an interesting story behind it. Um, there is a Jewish community here. There is Jewish population. One of the very important mitzvot is the um, mikveh. And there was no proper mikveh. There was no conditions uh, properly. And and things came to, to, to a point that there was a need, yes or yes. And so I, I sat down and I wrote a letter to the Rebbe explaining the, the need and the, 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 the must of, um, uh, of building a mikveh. And a mikveh is not something you can build in a rented place. So um, I wrote to the Rebbe, and as you know, the custom is not only to ask for a blessing, but to prepare the right vessel for a blessing to, to come into. So um, many, many years ago, the Rebbe wanted every single Jew to learn um, every day to learn Tanya. Uh, to learn, I'm sorry, Chumash, uh, uh, to say Tehillim, and to learn Tanya. And besides that, to learn daily Rambam, Maimonides. And so we took upon ourselves to do it day by day, don't matter what, not to go to sleep without learning it properly. And within very short time, we found um, the property. It was two properties, one next to you, next to another. 
uh, both of them wanted to sell. We found the right price. Uh, we were able to get the money literally in a miraculous uh, way. And, and now, 10 years later, we have already a um, good few years, a beautiful mikveh that uh, people come uh, monthly. And now we're holding by uh, step number two, which is to put together the, the proper building for the Chabad house. Incredible. Wow. So also another beautiful evolution of mitzvahs or the ripple effect of mitzvahs, how one thing leads to another, one mitzvah to the next. And what an incredible thing to have a mikvah, a proper mikvah in Guatemala. What do you do for kosher food? How do you, uh, besides for bananas and I guess coconuts, which are kosher, how do you make sure to have kosher meat and all the goodies? So um, in the beginning, it was um, schlepping. Literally schlepping. Uh, there is a picture I can recall of myself and the family coming uh, from uh, the kinos, uh, the, the, the annual gathering of Shluchim with probably 20 suitcases filled of food. Um, but as, as the years go by, and it's not only us, but um, much more families that, uh, um, that keep kosher, uh, about uh, a year or so later, um, together with a group of people here, we established a store, a kosher store. And in the beginning, we imported the meats and, and it's challenging, you know, the requirement of one government, it doesn't meet the requirement of the second government. And um, sometimes it happened to us that um, there was good intention, but they forgot to put the pallet of meat in the freezer. So it uh, stayed outside and got uh, all rotten. Uh, we went to the next stage and we have now a um, few times a year, we bring a shochet um, for meat, for chicken. We have a great quality and people are really, really happy. Incredible. So now it's all in-house. Uh, or at least a lot more. Not all, but definitely a lot more. A lot more, a lot more. Wow, incredible. So you get the mikvah experience, the shul, the kosher food. What about education? Uh, for the children, we saw a beautiful park or playground. Uh, what's, what's the, what do you have there for the children? Uh, um, speaking about kashus, uh, one of the, you know, in those uh, um, first two months that we came, um, my wife baked challahs for, for, for Shabbat. And we understood that there is no challah to get, to find kosher challah. So my wife uh, spoke to another lady from the community and together they started to bake challahs and it grew and grew and grew and grew. And so we needed to, it was much more than what they can do and what a house oven can fit. Uh, doesn't matter how many shifts. So we, we spoke to someone here. It took us to a place 
but bought all the equipments of a real bakery and we hired the baker to, 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 to bake. The problem was that the baker, we needed him only, for, uh, only Thursday night. So he used to come Thursday night, but since that was his second job, sometimes he would default on us. See, and so we saw that that doesn't work. We took a baker full time. So now there is a bakery, a beautiful bakery um, that can be found with people order online and get everything from A to Z, um, fresh, kosher, and tasty. Incredible, incredible. So not only kosher meats, not only challah, they got a full-blown bakery going on in Guatemala. What an amazing Jewish experience you can expect. Uh, and definitely, Rabbi Shalom, you can expect lots of us to come visit. We love hearing about these places, and then we mark them off on our itineraries. Uh, we got to come visit. Let's let's wrap up. Uh, the time the, the, our, our time is getting uh, close to the end. Uh, let's hear a little bit about the children activities, and then we'll open up to uh, questions. If anybody here wants to ask on the mic or wants to put in the chat, and then we'll 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 uh, finish for the night. Okay, so. Uh, when we came, there was something uh, very nice that the, the Jewish community did, which was um, an afternoon school for the children of the community. For the Jewish children, they would come two or three times a week and learn. But um, because of mm -hmm. the timing, because of um, uh, various reasons, there were schools that their, their, their kids couldn't come. They, they, the hours didn't meet the, the, the distance. So as the Rebbe told us that uh, no Jew will left behind, um, we, we started to give classes within the school, after school, in the school. And, and that's what we started with, um, with a group and it's uh, it's beautiful because this uh, coming week, I was called to marry off one of those kids that um, we started to teach. Now he's getting married and um, with a with a Jewish girl, and it's a beautiful way to close the circle and hopefully um, many many more. Beautiful, but uh, throughout the the. Throughout the year, we do before the holidays. We do activities for the children, very creative. We do we do camp, which was something that didn't have. And, and the outcome of camps is amazing because the the kids are not only learning; they have Jewish experience. It's a whole different ball game. Absolutely, absolutely, wow! And definitely with the fun and enthusiasm they can really only find in camp. Incredible. I actually just picked up on the uh, on, on your website. I'll share it here with everybody. Your bakery order form for Chabad of Guatemala. For anybody who wants to order some baked goods here at a full-on, look at this beautiful, beautiful menu of all different kinds of breads and low and bagels. You know, Montreal is famous for its bagels, but I have yet to taste a Guatemalan bagel. So that's the Rogelach got. And look at this, hamantashin and donuts. So... <laughs> Really an incredible menu. You can find it all on ChabadGuatemala.com. And actually, when you go on their website, 
uh, it says uh, you have a choice for Hebrew or Spanish, uh, for English or Spanish. So I, I chose the, uh, the Spanish, the English one, but uh, it does take you uh, to a Spanish site as well, which I understand uh, you're coming from Israel. How long did it take you to uh, adopt or take on the, the language, uh, which I guess is Spanish? Um, the truth is, now I understand why the Rebbe never uh, put so much importance about language, because when uh, someone asked the Rebbe once a beautiful, very interesting question, he said, in Judaism, the, everything important we try to do with the right hand, because right means kindness, uh, means goodness. Why did God place our heart on the left side? The Rebbe smiled and said, it's in the right side of the person you're giving the kindness to. So being that uh, our job as Chabad Rabbis is to give. Um, so, so what speaks is the heart and the heart speaks in a very common language by everyone. You don't need words. Beautiful. Definitely beautiful, beautifully said. Do you speak actual, do you actually speak a little bit of Spanish as well? Hablo español perfectamente. <laughs> Great. How long did it take you to learn? Um, not much. But I had some basic before, which uh, in a way it helped me because I would give a class and I would ask everybody, and how do you say that? And everybody was listening and everybody was putting attention. And who does not want to give the rabbi the right answer? So it helped me, it helped them. Now the, the classes are fluent Spanish. Wow, incredible, incredible. What a beautiful story. We'll wrap up over here. If anybody has any questions, I want to ask Rabbi Shalom Pelman is joining us here from Chabad of Guatemala. I, I posted your website on the chat. Uh, you could, well, more specifically the uh, the bakery uh, menu, but you could go from there to the rest of the website and see all the other wonderful things that Chabad of Guatemala offers. Um, it's there on the chat for everyone to see. Anybody wants to ask any questions here on the on their mics? Wants to unmute? We'll go. Do any people ever want to come with the idea of conversion or learning? People who are not born Jewish and want to learn. A uh, beautiful question. There is tremendous love to Judaism in Guatemala. Uh, we see it on the news. Guatemala was the first one or the second one to um, to move the embassy to Jerusalem. We see it constantly uh, from the people. Obviously, there is uh, there is uh, people that want. Unfortunately, I myself. Um, are not qualified. It's not something that I learned or, or, or made myself uh, um, ordained to, to right. convert. Um, and there's no bait in to do it. But um, uh, whoever wants, uh, as, as we know, there's nothing stands in front of a person's will. Um, there are people that converted. They went to yeshiva and they are um, they are fully Hasidim today. 
Beautiful. And you and the yeshiva, the, you would send them off to Israel if, if that would be the uh, or or really anywhere. Um, everything depends on on, on the person uh, um, and their abilities. There, someone that doesn't have visa can't uh, go even if he wants to. Um, so so everything depends. Right. Right. And just thank you, Rina, for sharing that. Uh, but that also uh, to the other question of anti-Semitism, something that we always uh, want to hear about from a man on the ground. What is the experience that you had over the past 22 years uh, with anti-Semitism uh, there in Guatemala? Generally, um, you you really experience love to Jewish people and Judaism and to Israel. There are exceptions. Um, many, many years ago, um, uh, shortly after 9-11, maybe a few months after, my brother was here helping me, and he went to a store to buy something. And the way that the tax uh, system works, when you buy something, you give your name and tax ID, and you get the receipt on your name. So they, they asked him, what's his name and tax ID he says doesn't matter because that's an option also not um, no need when he brought uh, the, the the receipt home it said bin laden i guess because of his beard uh, <laughs> <laughs> huh. but but it's a cur uh, curious it's it's a it's a beautiful story it doesn't really reflect the 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 living here the living here is really um, a pleasure to live here. People love Israel, love the Jewish people, respect the Jewish people. Uh, obviously, there are odds and ends. Uh, there is always something, but the majority, um, we really feel comfortable to live here. Incredible, incredible. And, and everywhere we zoom around to, Wherever we go on the globe, that's that's usually the message we hear, and it's so comforting to hear that from a, from a man on the ground, as as I said before. Rabbi Shalom, this was an incredible stop on our Zooming Around the World. Very grateful you took from your busy schedule to give us this beautiful tour uh, of, of your experiences there and the Jewish life, and it's, it's so hopeful. It gives us so much hope here in Montreal to know that the Jewish people have a very bright future. Uh, with the Jewish communities around the world, and specifically here tonight in Guatemala. So much going on for the Jewish people there, for the Israeli backpackers, and for all of us that are coming to visit, we know we can expect some great challah. That's, that's definitely exciting. Thank you so much again, Rabbi Shalom Felman. Thank you, all of you, and especially you, Rabbi. And when you come now, when I came 22 years ago, it was, uh, I was the only choice. Now there is uh, Chabad in, in, in other cities uh, that uh, we were able to establish along the way. So um, there is a large variety to choose and to have a really Jewish taste, taste and experience. Beautiful. Wherever you go, there's, there's going to be a, there's a few Chabad places around Guatemala itself that you can choose. It's always good to know. Incredible. Incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for joining us here tonight. What a great, great stop on our tour around the world. You've got next week. Join us same time, Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. We're off to our next 
place on Zoom and around the world, these guys will be very exciting. Look out for your emails to see